Hey everyone, welcome to a uh, a brand new year. And uh, on uh, Colin, this is uh, episode eighty. Uh, Gaslit. If you can guess what this one's going to be about, um, Joe Biden's administration opened up a pretty big can of worms this week when uh, it was revealed through I think it was Bloomberg who said that they uh, his consumer protection agency, led by none other than uh, Richard Trumka Jr. Nepo baby. Um, are considering a nationwide ban on gas stoves. Um, This follows uh, laws that have already been passed in several cities, Los Angeles, New York City, um, California is one, and the state of Washington are basically banning any and all usage of gas stoves in new commercial builds, so uh, condos, homes, uh, what have you. And this kind of set off as you can imagine, a bit of a firestorm because you're talking about millions and millions of people in this country that have a gas stove or prefer one. The justification they're saying is it is a health risk and they're talking about uh, either a rise or percentage uh, of cases in childhood asthma. Um, This is kind of new. The gas stove thing has been around for a few years, but this is a new one uh, because they figured out that nobody cared Uh, When you said you're killing the planet with your gas stove, people just shrugged and laughed at you, rightfully so. So now they figured out that now you're putting your child's health at risk. Uh, Vox and several other outlets are circulating uh, certain studies. Um, One uh, from Harvard Harvard University kind of spills the beans here. And uh, from their from their own kind of study on, on gas stoves, whatever it says, quote, while observational studies can't prove that cooking with gas is a direct cause of asthma, data also shows that the higher the nitrogen dioxide level, the more severe asthma symptoms in children and adults. Uh, the claim is that when you, you turn on your gas stove, you're emitting uh, nitrogen dioxide as well as O2, and it's even being compared to uh, basically idling a car inside of a garage. Um, so a lot of this is flawed. And as I argued on the podcast today, the fact that, um, all the usual white house social media subjects are passing around the same story suggests, um, that there's some level of coordination here to get your eyes off of other things happening with the Biden administration, which, you know, I will probably cover later. Um, this obviously didn't go over too well. Joe Manchin himself said, you'll never take away my gas stove. The problem is, is Joe Manchin voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, which hidden in that bill, which nobody apparently read, uh, is an $840 tax credit should you choose to remove your gas stove in favor of an electric one. Um, Trump himself basically said, we're not going to come in and, and uh, obviously you come in and you rip the gas stove out of the out of the wall and government agents are going to come in or whatever. Um, this is uh, going forward with builds. And uh, as you can see, they, they've pretty much already uh, moved on this. Uh, they will simply just make it unprofitable for any buildings or not approve permits for any buildings with gas stoves going forward. And that's how these things usually work. Uh, it's done under the guise of Green New Dealism and climate and climate change and the environment. And similar to the plastic straw ban, which we saw, a lot of it is just based on bunk science. Uh, Once this kind of hit the interwebs, Commissioner Trumka himself said, thanks for your interest. To be clear, CPSC isn't coming for anyone's gas stoves. Regulations will apply to new products. 
For Americans who choose to switch from gas to electric, there's a support available. Congress passed Inflation Reduction Act, also includes a $840 rebate. However, last week in an interview with The Guardian, I'm going to read a, a couple of quotes from him. It says, the possibility of banning new gas stoves, challenging their entrenched status in millions of Americans' homes, was raised by Richard Trumka, commissioner of the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission last month. Trumka said the pollution created by gas stoves is concerning and that the commission, which set, can set standards for consumer products, will consider regulating them this year. Quote, we need to be talking about regulating gas stoves, whether that's drastically improving emissions or banning them outright entirely. And I think we ought to keep that possibility of a ban in mind because it's a powerful tool in our tool belt. And it's a real possibility here. Um, this feels like one of those things that Joe Biden continuously does where uh, things just are kind of humming along and uh, his administration just steps in a pothole um, and unnecessarily. And I, I just one of the reasons this is such a rich topic is because this isn't a, this isn't a debate that, you know, pundits such as myself can have with other pundits. This is something uh, that is clear-cut, ideal, great topic for a format like call-in, um, where you can line up and you can tell me your thoughts. And if you have a gas range and um, should in the future, how I think this works is uh, you'll basically just be paying higher taxes on it. Similar to, we talked about electric vehicles in the future. Um, California has said they're getting, they're going to outright ban gas-powered vehicles uh, by 2030. And not that you have to turn over your truck or anything then, but they have ways of making you pay a higher price, say vehicle taxes or DMV, for instance. If you have a gas-powered vehicle and the DMV can see that, and oh, now you've just been taxed $200 for that. And so that's exactly kind of what this looks like. And, of course, you have a media that has jumped all in on this. The two groups primarily that are pushing this research. One of them is based out of Australia. One of them is also a group called Electrify Everything. So this is a climate group that has a vested interest in this. And that's usually what you have to look at when you see studies like this all of a sudden. It's okay, who's, who is paying for this? Who is commissioning this? How is it researched? How is it reviewed? And this is one of these cases where they already have the idea that we need to ban these and now we just need the justification for it. So once you get the Vox piece, which I shit you not, they actually used in their sub lead. If you like your stove, you can keep it. Um, the media is now jumping all in. The Washington Post now has a story out saying, finally, we're banning gas stoves. Uh, obviously, Bill Weir from CNN is now coming on. And that's how these things happen. And that's what I wanted to talk about is three days ago, Nobody was talking about this. It was being, you know, mummered about in environmental groups for the last few years, and it's kind of on the fringes. But now you have a presidential administration who's decided, hey, yeah, we're going to come do this. And that's usually how these things usually go. And so now you ha we have a new current thing that we're all going to be fighting about. And I already see, like, chefs handcuffing themselves the stoves on Twitter and whatever. And this, of course, is something that, like I said, it's not something that just affects pundits where we can sit around and meme about it. It's something that it's going to affect all of you. It's going to affect your home range prices. It's going to affect how uh, you decide to build a home if you are able to get a gas range. Obviously, people like them because it's easier to control temperature with cooking than it is electrical ranges. And that seems to be a kind of sticking point. And also that pollution that these things emit is minimal. That's one of the things kind of hidden in these studies is 
it's not like a car idling in a garage, which is they, what they want you to believe. They want you to say that your gas range is killing people. Um, where this goes next is pretty obvious. If you haven't been paying attention to how these things unfold or how the media uh, kind of goes about these things, what's going to happen next is this. And Bill Weir of CNN kind of signaled at it oh so subtly, which is that uh, pollution in uh, smaller one apartments um, is uh, is going to affect marginalized communities the most because if you put them in smaller apartments, you're going to be harming marginalized communities, which generally means minorities, which generally means your gas stove before the month of January 2023 is out. I 100% guarantee you put down a marker, your gas stove will be racist. And we must ban them also now in the name of equity and to uh, help marginalize poor communities in urban settings. That is a take that is absolutely going to come uh, from our media. It, it has already been put out there by, uh, what is it, the, the Greta Thunberg environmentalist group, Extinction Rebellion or whatever, has tweeted about that saying that this gas stove must be banned uh, because they disproportionately affect marginalized communities. It's only a matter of time before a Vox or a Washington Post or whomever picks that take up and runs with it. So get ready. Um, that's just kind of laying it out. And like I said, this is going to be, I think, a pretty rich topic. And uh, I already see I got some people back there. And so let's dive in. Do you own a gas stove? Is this, is this a big deal to you? Is this something that we're the political right is going to throw down on and say, no, you can't take this. Um, we know why you're doing this. It's kind of faux environmentalism and it's also just controlling something that works. Laura, uh, Noah um, Rothman had a great com a column about this today saying the war on just things that work better. And that's kind of exactly what this is. One of the other funny things about this was obviously several democratic politicians chimed in on this, including uh Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, excuse me. And uh, so she just made this her issue of the day du jour. And Charles Cook of National Review had a pretty great observation that she had not tweeted about stoves or gas top ranges ever until two days ago when this became an issue. And he said, this is one of the creepiest parts of modern progressivism. AOC had never tweeted about stoves before yesterday, but when she did it for the first time, her tone was one of weary condescension toward the bitter enders whom she's been trying to inform for years. And that's kind of their entire shtick. And that's what I mean by this is now the new thing. Uh, it didn't take long for uh, observant Twitter users to note that Ocasio-Cortez herself lives in a luxury high rise in the Navy Yard of Washington, D.C., which she uses a gas range. And people also posted several photos of Elizabeth Warren and uh, Jill Biden, even Kamala Harris. And that's kind of how these climate debates always go, is that you are expected to change your behavior or you are expected, you know, if you live in a condo unit or an apartment building, you just are expected to go along with whatever progressive, you know, governor declares. Kathy Halkel is doing this now in New York. Uh, but if you were a rich elite progressive, the rules don't apply to you, whether it's a gas stove or flying private or buying, you know, mansions on islands and having your electric bill be hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. <clears throat> and that's all this seems like it is. This is just kind of another folly in the climate hypocrisy of basically just telling you 
um, you're going to be made to care. We will force you to care about uh, our pet issue. And now that pet issue is gas stoves. Uh, we'll go for about uh, an hour here. Same as usual. Thanks again for jumping in on a, on a new year. Um, I plan to be doing this throughout the year as well and continuing this. So uh, we're going to just jump in and give me your thoughts on this. And are they going to have to pry them from your poor dead hands? I'm going to bring up Kate Hyde first. So see if she bring up some of these new ones. Kate. How's it going? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I love this topic. And this is something that I have been kind of quiet about. I've been watching the the outrage over the last few days. And while I find it really interesting, it's really bringing up something that I've been watching for the last few weeks that has been enraging me that I haven't been able to really put into words. And if I was an op-ed writer, I think this would be something I would be totally, you know, screaming about in a long form. The idea, obviously, you know, they want to go after gas stoves because they're not electric. And just like cars, it's, you know, everything has to be electric and this, that. And they don't care about, you know, the, the what that's going to do to the power grid and create blackouts and brownouts and all of that sort of stuff. But this idea, I get so viscerally angry at this idea that gas stoves are doing anything to harm people or to harm children. Because what we just saw a few weeks ago, specifically in Buffalo, this was something that I know made national news because, you know, it was obviously a big storm and the, the cold came through. But if you saw what happened in Buffalo, it is absolutely sick that there's 40 people who died in in a storm in the city that you know what buffalo minorities their claim to fame. minorities by the way it, well, but but hold but but that's exactly it though is that the state across the board i i was watching it very closely that whole weekend the state across the board failed that city and if you want to talk about you know you you want to they everyone always wants to say minorities or people of color or this that i'm saying whether you want to say low income, whatever it is, the people who are dependent on the state were completely abandoned by the state in a way that was so monumentally, dis di absolutely disgusting. What, ha what you saw happening in Buffalo, which again, I don't think this got enough attention and I've been wanting to scream about it and I just don't know how, that that you you saw people were calling 911 trying to get help and 911 was basically not answering. You didn't have 911 answering and saying, here's how I can help you or here's what you do or here's how you move forward. They said, basically, we can't help you. What they had was they had a bunch of low income people dependent on the state that, that were in fully electric high rise buildings. Now you would think after a storm like that, where you had people freezing, dying, calling into local AM radio stations saying, what do I do? I need help. Having community have to come out because the state failed them in every single way. All those people, so many people would have benefited tremendously with a gas stove to even just have a little bit of heat, to have a little bit of food, to be able to heat up water, to be able to keep themselves from freezing. You saw so much devastation by people relying on electricity and you saw a state and you saw a governor whose policies are only being put forth to go further into electric and to further make you not only dependent on the state, but to make the state completely being put in a position to fail you. And I cannot believe that only two, three weeks out from that store, which we have not gone through yet. We have not 
you know, process what happened there. And we have not held anyone accountable for that devastation that you are even, even thinking, even saying publicly, even saying maybe this is a thing that gas stoves harm people. I mean, it is just absolutely sick. And I, I haven't seen that element being put forth anywhere yet. I, I get that it's not about the climate and then they have to say it's bad for your health and that's just sham, you know, studies and all that. But but I would argue that if you're willing to say that gas stoves are as bad as as cars exhaust in your garage, I would argue that gas stoves save lives far more than electric stoves. So Charles Cook had this at National Review in his piece in National Review, where he did the statistics about electric stoves uh, cause almost double the fires and, and hazards uh, in high rises and buildings than uh, than gas stoves because just because they're electric, they malfunction, uh, people leave them on or whatever, and uh, he did the statistics that say that uh, electric ranges are, are more responsible for electrical fires than gas stoves are. The other interesting thing, obviously, that coverage about the Buffalo, New York, that also happened while Joe Biden was in St. Croix. And of course, because he's not a senator from Texas, uh, he didn't get any pressure uh, to come back and monitor that and, and uh, alert FEMA. And somebody else made the point about the fact that if it's like, let's say you have a power outage uh, and it's cold, like this exact same scenario, someone said, you know, a gas stove is something that you could use to just heat or whatever. You could do it in small, uh, small doses to where you're not obviously filling your entire apartment up with gas or whatever. And you're right that that didn't get covered. And this is also one of these things where you're going to have a bunch of young 20-something-year-old writers at the Washington Post who are probably white uh, or at Vox basically saying that we need to do this to, to help ma marginalized communities because they're, 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 at, they're at a higher health risk, not only just because of their financial situation, because of genetics, which is what we're also told we have to do now in the name of equity. And that will be the next natural take that comes. And it reminds me of, uh, it's kind of like that white liberal do-goodism uh, that we saw during COVID, which was, um, they're saying, yes, we need we need to get rid of gas stoves to help minorities. But to your point, when minorities were, you know, in places where the power was out and they're freezing to death, they didn't have shit to say about it because it would obviously make the governor, who's a Democrat of New York, look bad, and it would make Joe Biden, the Democrat president, look bad. Um, but what it reminds me of is what happened during COVID, which was um, everybody locked down, everybody shut their business down. We did everyone what they were told. And then because George Floyd was uh, killed in Minneapolis, suddenly it was all right to go out and protest because they said that, pro you know, white supremacy and the murder of, of black men in communities is a bigger threat than COVID. At the same time, we were being told that COVID uh, we need to lock down and stay safe and all of that stuff because COVID disproportionately affects urban communities because people live in buildings and they live in closer quarters and they have uh, fewer access to healthcare facilities. And so that's, you had this double messaging happening where we must go out and flood the streets and spread COVID, even though in the name of marginalized communities, even though it's marginalized communities who are at suffering the worst uh, of COVID. And that's similar to what you're going to see with the stove issue. 
and and like I said, as sure as the sun will rise, you're going to see it before the end of the month because they're going to see the backlash to this. They're going to see that people aren't going to go for this. And I think today you already had the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, come out and, and speak about this. And he was mostly right, saying that, you know, our country is making decisions based on bunk studies coming out of the World Economic Forum. Uh, one of the, the one of the places where the study, and I talked about this on the podcast, the, the one that they're pushing out, out there uh, came from a uh, institute. It was a it was a journalistic health research group that is uh, once again funded by someone based out of China. And so you had the Biden administration going along with all of these kind of, and I, and I don't want to say globalist because I don't think globalization is necessarily bad, um, but out of these kind of globalized, you know, forums and, you know, again, putting energy policy in the hands of a 17-year-old truant scoldy Swedish teen. And again, you're seeing the double standard, which is, like you said, where we must electrify everything in the name of equity because gas is going to cause pollution and pollution affects minorities more than it does anybody else because they're marginalized communities, whatever. And then, like you said, your perfect example of what happened in Buffalo happens and they all just kind of ignore it. They all just turn away and they're like, no, that didn't happen. And again, this is why it's important to to pay attention to these things as they just fall out of the sky. Like I said, three, four days ago, no one was talking about this. And now it's kind of the issue that is not going to go away and we're going to be beaten over the head with it. And it's now going to become kind of a culture thing. And uh, to see it just kind of happen as fast as it did, um, it, it raises eyebrows in the sense of, did this happen organically or was this something that was put out there to distract from other issues in the Biden administration? I guess maybe the documents that were in the second location today might have been about gas stoves. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> classified classified gas stove documents. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I'm, I'm, what, what does Hunter Biden cook his, cook his heroin on? Do you think it's a gas range or is it just like an old-fashioned blowtorch lighter? Well, I guess, what is a Zippo? Isn't that technically a gas flame? Yeah, yeah that's right. It's butane. Yeah. You can't have those anymore. There you go. See, it's old fashioned. You don't need anything for it. It's reliable. You could even use it upside down. I mean, he knows the way. Yeah. Yeah. Old fashioned technology. I'll give you I'll give you a, a final say now that you've calmed down. Uh, I just it's been it's it's wild. <laughs> I'm telling you. And, and I, let me just tell you, I grew up with with gas stoves and I totally understand everyone's outrage. I do like cleaning electric stoves better. I got to say there is something very, very soothing about just like wiping a glass clean. Um, but I am a, a, a gas range fan. But uh, yeah, my biggest thing is all these last weeks that I'm just saying gas stoves save lives. And I can't believe that they're saying anything but that. So that's my final word. That is the the hill I will die on. And Good podcast, good everything. Thanks for all you do. And thanks for letting me get that off my chest, Stephen. <laughs> thanks, Kate. Thanks for uh, calling in. I'm sure you have thoughts. Yes. Um, I live on one of those uh, insufferably left-wing cities on the West Coast and who's uh, – Mayor and city council colluded last year to push through a, I guess you can't even call it a bill, a, a, uh, a decree where, uh, you know, they're, they're 
beginning of January 1st of this year, they were not going to allow natural gas hookups in either residential or commercial um, buildings. And, uh, does does that include does that include private homes or is this just like apartment complexes and condos or whatever? That includes everything: uh, single-family homes, apartment buildings, condos, businesses. You know, we we, have, we actually have a pretty decent restaurant scene here. Uh, probably not for much longer now. They're they're all going to move somewhere else. Yeah, r- yeah. Real fast. This is something I didn't address, but I thought about this. Are are, are they going to ban? Uh, large gas top ranges in commercialized restaurants. Um, oh, how, yeah, they're going to do it. <laughs> how is that, you know, and of course, if a city does that, it's going to be like San Francisco. Because, um, I mean, I noted I noted today when this issue kind of came up, and I know it's been, I know it's been one of those that's been floating back there. You kind of go back and you find out, okay, how did this even start? Where did this come from? Um, did, did like a child die from, you know, setting their head on fire from a gas range, which is usually how these things go or whatever. No, it originated in Berkeley was the first city that implemented this. And, um, they published, you know, studies or whatever. And I said from some of these groups, so then, you know, it goes into academia and then it goes up from academia, it goes to state legislatures. And then from there it goes to governors. And now you're seeing it now at a federal level. And that's exactly how all of these things start. And it was pretty much the first place where all of these, this conversation started about the, the banning of uh, gas ranges started in Berkeley, California. And so, yeah, that was my thing that I didn't get to address it is I do, I do wonder about, are, is the goal to ban commercialized ranges like restaurant ranges? Have fun with that one, I guess, because you're right. That will bank, that will not only bankrupt restaurants, you'll have chefs that will just refuse to do it. And they'll, yeah, one of the uh, more interesting things about the, uh, this decree from last year was that um, uh, part of it was uh, beginning in 2035, they're going to set up some sort of committee to look for ways to remove existing natural gas infrastructure from homes and uh, commercial buildings. And I'm thinking, okay, I have a gas stove, a gas fireplace, and a I have a gas furnace and a gas water heater. How much do you suppose that's going to cost to, to – they just kind of come in and take it and not reimburse people? I mean, that, that's just insane. Gas gas heating has also entered the debate on this. Very, very subtly, that has come, also come into the debate is getting rid of uh, electrical gas heating and going either to electric or oil. That's something that um, – is that's going to be the next thing. I mean, again, the, the group calling the group who's pushing this research is literally called. She was, uh, she was quoted in the Washington post is a literally called electrify everything. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't be more, you can't be more obvious to what your goals are. And if that's no your goal, motives there, yeah. <laughs> if that, yeah, if that's your motive. If you work for a group called electrify everything, you're going to fudge data and you're going to push research that suggests that, you're right. And this is what we need to do. And you're going to ignore, as I wrote just in Harvard, they can't actually find a direct link between asthma and natural gas stoves. This reminds me of like, uh, you have to close your windows while taking a bath in a lightning storm. Because (laughs) one time, I mean, that's, that was an urban legend, like growing up, like you couldn't have your window open in a lightning storm, you couldn't take a bath because lightning might come through the, and that's what that reminds me of. And then it gets pushed out as junk science or whatever and any debate and this is the part where we're at with our media any debate around this 
is quashed because our media just jumps in line. Already you have CNN, the Washington Post, Vox pushing it. I think NBC is pushing it. And right there, there's four pretty corporate influential media conglomerates that are all doing this. And if you come in and you go, hold on here, here's Harvard says that there's no link here, that you can't actually correlate a direct link. You're called a climate denier and you will also be called racist. Yeah. It's yeah, one of the playbook. Every- yeah. Yeah. Um, one, one other thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, yeah, I was, I, I'm kind of glad that this is getting national attention now because not a whole lot's been said in, in my city about this. I mean, th- there has been some said, but it hasn't become like a big, uh, a, a, as big a point of contention as it should be. And it might be now. And one of the more interesting things that happened last year was that um, we actually had a city council member recalled because she wanted to um, get rid of a traffic lane on a, a very busy um, road in, uh, in, in, in her ward. And her residents were just like, no, we don't want that. And she's like, well, I want to do it anyway. And they just said, OK, well, we're going to kick you. We're going to kick you out of office. And that's what they did. So I, I'm kind of hoping that this might sort of push the city council and the mayor to back them down. But um, it's probably not going to. And we're probably just going to move at some point. <laughs> it just seems to be the only way to solve this. Yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing already in, in red states, Florida, et cetera, where they're basically and, and this is what preempts this stuff is this is something there, you know, live and let live. And then all of a sudden the left comes in and is like, you need to get rid of your stove. And so now I think DeSantis said that and they're going to push uh, bills that ban bans on gas stoves. And then people say, well, this is over regulation. This is, you know, the states that and it's like, hey, man, like you pushed us into this corner. Like, like no one was talking about this and that you just kind of come in and you're just like, you're going to San Francisco the hell out of everything. So now you have a lot of red state governors who are just they're they're back there and they're pushing out laws that say uh, we're going to pass a law through our legislature that says you cannot ban gas stoves or whatever. Um, and, and this is kind of, you know, Charles Cook's larger point is. Uh, it, it's for everything. It's it's going to be for water heaters. It's going to be for your lawnmowers. Gas powered lawnmowers are probably on their way out in the next five years. Um, it's it's going to be all of those things. And one of the biggest problems is as they try to shove electric technology down our throats, a lot of it's just not that good. That's the problem. There's not the quality is not that good. And that was also Noah Rothman's point is that this, this is sort of like the Tesla argument where if it works and it's fucking cool and people want it, they'll go buy an electric car. The problem is, is your electric car uh, market right now is pretty much garbage. Like mm-hmm. there's now the Rivian truck that's coming out. So they're trying to promote, you know, get rid of your Dodge Ram and, and whatever. And that remains to be seen. Uh, but that's ultimately the problem is it just doesn't work better. And again, it's about lowering your standard of living uh, under the guise of a faux environmentalism where they actually believe your stove is a bigger threat to the planet than their private jet travel. Yeah, my, my battery powered lawnmower pretty much sucks. I kind of wish I had gotten a gas one, but oh well. Um, well since you brought that up, one thing is um, uh, Michael Schellenberger noted that uh, he thinks that electric cars are probably not going to be the future because the environmentalists are going to eventually turn on the mining that they need to get the, the rare earth metals that power those. Not as long as it comes and, out of China. That's kind of their attitude yeah, well, is, you know, it's it's sort of the attitude of I don't want to think about where this stuff comes from. 
because yeah, that well, might mean then that might mean that we have to deal with it with humanity. It's similar to the NBA and human rights, which is we don't want to think about that part of this. Um, and again, that's that's kind of how environmentalists think is if it's coming out of China and reminds you what, that one of the groups was funded basically by the state government of China that push that's pushing this get rid of your gas stove. And that's another part of this is. Who does this benefit? That's what you have to look at is, does this benefit uh, makers of electric stoves? Okay, where are they getting their parts and where are they getting their lobbying money for? And that's what everyone has to look at. And that's why I just, I have zero sympathy for Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin can strap his, his stove to his chest and just fall off his boat with it uh, because he voted for the bill that basically said, you know, we're going to be doing this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally agree about that. Um, Anyway, uh, I'll let some other people in the queue get their chance now. Uh, thanks for taking my call and have a good night. Thanks, Kevin. Brandon. Good thoughts. If you guys can hold on. Andrew, Donna, David, I see you guys back there. I'm not ignoring you. Uh, looks like he's a newbie. Uh, you just hit on mute and go ahead. Hi there, Stephen. Original subber and first-time caller. Like, great to speak good, to good you. Good to hear. So what really burns me about this issue is that all, there are is it places all the puns in the world. We can use? <laughs> uh, correct. <laughs> there are places in the world where children are at grave lifelong risk from indoor cooking uh, emissions. They tend to play in the poorest places in the world, sub-Saharan Africa and elsewhere, where foraged wood and dung and whatever else can be found is used to cook uh, the daily meal for the people who are fortunate to have a, uh, enough to have a daily meal. And yet our environmentalists have absolutely no mercy for these people, demanding that they uh, adapt totally inefficient, unworkable, unscalable alternative fuel sources rather than exploiting their own uh, local natural resources to improve their lives from desperately poor to merely kind of averagely poor. So between 2016 and 2020, I drove for Uber and Lyft in our area, which is near UMass Amherst and the local private colleges, Amherst, Hampshire, Smith, et cetera. And I remember driving an academic who had been attending a uh, uh, an environmental conference at UMass to the airport, about an hour. And I was chatty and friendly, and we got to talk about this issue. And I asked her, uh, do you think such people in such desperate circumstances should be not only permitted but encouraged to exploit their national their natural resources locally to better their lives and she said no on on the whole i i think they should not be drilling they should not be uh exploiting their resources and that was kind of a uh light bulb going off over the head moment for me and um what can i tell you uh, I mean, it's it's all the hallmarks of I, I don't even want to say that side of the political aisle because it goes beyond that. It's all the hallmarks of just um, we're better and do goodism uh, mm. than than you are, and that's really like I, I mean, this is this is the San Franciscoification of the entire country. And but if their if their concerns are not primarily about human flourishing, what are they about? I mean, does ideology really? Trump, you know, to be, you know, um, uh, sanctimonious about it, you know, concern for our fellow man, fellow person. It's just appalling. 
Well, no. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Think about, think about when everyone put a black square on their Instagram, uh, over black lives matter and the George Floyd stuff. Um, I, I'm, I'm 67 years old. So you, you'll have to tell me what Instagram is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram is, it's, it's, it's a social media platform. It's, it's, a photo I, I'm kidding. I, I, I get, I get the okay. idea. I know what it is. Um, and so in an act of solidarity, everybody put a black square on their Instagram to show their support and solidarity for black lives matter. And that's pretty much as much as I hate the cliched language of things like virtue signaling, that's pretty much all it was. It was an immediate, it is immediate jump to judging whomever chose not to do that. Um, and you see that as well as like people with pronouns on and that you not, now must declare your pronouns. And there's people like, I'm not going to do that. And it's sort of like, it takes me back to another, another interesting thing is it takes me back to Charlie Hebdo. And Iowa Hawk blog still has one of my favorite uh, tweets of all time on this, which is when the Charlie Hebdo shooting happened. Uh, you know, we we had candlelight vigils, and you know, uh, people in Paris uniting, and of course, we sent James fucking Taylor over there with John Kerry, and um, everyone oh, yeah. was doing that. Um, and Iowa Hawk blog had a had a great David Burge on Twitter had a great observation where it says everyone wants to march, you know, in French Mondinian style. Uh, claiming they are Charlie Hebdo, but nobody wants to be Charlie Hebdo. And that sums up so many issues on that side of the aisle, which is, you know, it's a way of saying that I care more than you care. And that's pretty much all this comes down to. So it's, we, your gas stove is killing children. So we need to get rid of it. And when you stand up and go, wait a second, how is it doing that to, um, you know, this this doesn't make sense to me that you think that we're putting, you know, so much carcinogens into the air that, you know what, you need to do a wholesale change of this. And like I said, it's it's very simply explained as just kind of the San Franciscoification of the entire culture and the entire country. And then you ask, you know, but they don't really care. And I would say that that's true. They care about themselves and they think that their ideology is the best thing going here. And if you ask questions, unfortunately, they have a very loud microphone on their side that can uh, get you fired from your job, can label you a racist or label you a white supremacist or what have you. And so, I mean, to, like you said, it's like, do they really do they is it really ideology? Yes, it is. They, they think but, that they are they think they are participating in a righteous cause that ultimately they believe will save the planet. And you kind of just have to look at them and, and raise your eyebrow a little bit and say, well, that's not happening. But being an optimist, what I hope is that maybe I planted a tiny seed and maybe a year or two later, this woman read a column in a paper or somebody else said this to her or she heard this from elsewhere. Mm, and maybe a third instance in which this was advanced to her, it, she encountered. So maybe... um you know, minds can uh, be altered slowly and gradually and not changed, but opened. So um, I think all we have to do is keep uh, keep on keeping on and delivering the message. And maybe it might not take uh, a year, might take five years, might take 10 years. But, uh, you know, it it could be that that uh, uh, minds will be uh, somewhat altered and changed over over time. Uh, you're you're a bigger you're a better optimist than me. I will I will at least leave you with that. Been around longer.
<laughs> Touche. That that is true. Uh, no, I mean, I, I kind of think that that's. I've I've run into people who were you know formerly liberal, and now they they're just like, holy shit! Like, I can't believe I used to be like like whatever. Um, and you know, it's it's like this thing that progressives like to use the word empathy a lot. They like to say, you know, well, we're empathetic and we care more. And um, that's why we're doing this. We care about you more. So that's why we're going to force you to use a different stove, for instance, or drive a different car. It's because we care. And it's like, well, no, you don't care. Uh, leave me alone. It's, you know, people that I run into the most, who's, the most who claim to be the most empathetic generally turn out to be the biggest sociopaths. So, you know, there is that. So, um, you're, so, you're right so, about just kind of keeping on, keeping on. And these things, you know, ebb and flow. These things come and go. So, you know, we, in two years, we might have a Republican president who's like, I'm getting rid of this shit. <laughs> like, so, like, so we heat with gas. With I cook electric mostly because we don't have the plumbing. Maybe the next time we will. Induction is also a good option. But uh, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I have, a, I have a, uh, an electric range. I have a flat style range and I fucking hate it. Um, so I've just kind of learned to adapt to it. I do kind of with Kate that I like just being able to spray the, the fucking Windex on it yeah. and done. Um, but yeah, I oh, mean, the, the I wife prefer- loves that. Oh, it's one of her favorite things to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's another part of it. They think it's more efficient and stuff like that. But again, this comes back to um, efficiency doesn't necessarily always mean that something is better or working better, especially for the need that you're using it for. And that that's ultimately, like I said, the problem with, with, trying to electrify every single thing in our lives is the tech you're trying to force it and you can't really force this kind of technology onto people because there's going to be blowback. Um, I've always used the example of like televisions, for example, if you go back 10, 10 years, if you went to a Best Buy or whatever, there would be like one small section of very expensive flat screens and over here, are all the boxes and whatever. And eventually yeah. those just got phased out. How did that happen? People decided, that the flat screens work better. They take up less space. The pictures on them are better. And the, the technology just developed. And now if you go to a Best Buy, if they're still around, every single television is a fucking flat screen. And that's just because that's what people decided. That's what works. That's what's better. And tech, the electric you know, technology for a lot of this stuff just isn't there yet. They're trying, they're trying to force it down our throats due yeah. to some arbitrary deadline over global warming if anybody knows where i can uh source some good uh dried cow dung i hear the flavor is awesome so yeah uh well texas barbecue it's the same thing okay <laughs> take care brother thanks john good to hear uh, a new voice we'll try to get through we'll probably go for about a half hour more and we'll just try to get through everyone here uh all right hey steven how are you doing uh, I'm glad to be back on here. I, we had a little bit of a break. Uh, you know, we all need a break. Uh, the holiday season can just wear you out. Uh, so uh, I'm with you. I have an electric stove. Well, but the weird thing is that I came from a family who always had a gas stove before I got my own place. So I have this really weird relationship with it. And it's like I really never see the difference. But that's just because I don't cook as much on a stove unless it's a pop. I usually mostly just use it for pots and stuff of of pasta and stuff when I'm making something. So I guess it's just I have never seen a difference. My main issue is, well, I've never seen a difference. I just have a real issue with this sort of aristocratic 
we know better, you have to listen to us, bullcrap. And that's what really gets to me. It's like, there's this sort of feeling, especially like what uh, um, Charlie noticed about how AOC, you know, uh, Congresswoman Airport designation. She's suddenly an expert Uh, on this issue and she's never talked about it. Yes, it's not just that, but it's like she automatically takes it. It's like, I think more than anything else, when it comes against a rage against the experts, it's this sort of like, oh, we have this class of people and we have designated people who tell us what to do and they can change in 30 seconds. And it's sort of like what you saw. Like, you, did you ever see that little excerpt from that story about LBJ um, when he basically said, oh, crap, inflation's rising up on eggs. I need the FDA to basically talk to send out a huge message to everyone that eggs are horrible for you right now, just so people will buy less of them and no one will know. Yes. It, it I'll, I'll really seems like there's this, this... egg lobby. It really does seem like there's this... There's this huge desire to go back to that sort of uh, the best and the brightest. And people... Have, it's just that they... It seems like no matter how much there's this desire for the best and the brightest on both the on the both the right and the left, because you, you can totally see it in David some a lot of David French's work when he talks about the Pentagon, of this idea of the best and the brightest being able to lead us. And it's like, no, they failed for over fifty years. And it's like there's a cultural issue here. And it's like gas stoves are being determined by the best and the brightest to be bad, even though if we actually go by actual experts who are chefs, they're, or by the actual data, like that shows that electric ranges cause more fires. It's like, no, the, the best and the brightest have decided it, and that's the way it's supposed to be. It feels like we, it's a trying to create this European court of Versailles, but it's done, but it's been put together by degrees from Harvard or Boston University. And, yeah, I mean, and, you know, like, and it's like they have the right to do this because they are better than you. Yeah, or they just, they have the power to do it. And it's kind of like, you know, and these cities are going to pass their own ordinances. And if you believe in local politics or whatever, you just kind of have to let them do that and let voters get kind of what they voted for. But again, Charles Cook was really good on this. And he said, you know, there is no like anti-flicker league or no mothers against gas stoves because this whole thing has been a top-down affair contrived by the terminally bored. And they said they need, they wanted a new cause, so they created one. And that's kind of 100% exactly right. And it also shows you how they keep at this. This, this debate over, you know, gas stoves started roughly about 2017, 2018, started in Berkeley, and then it just worked its way up just slowly but surely. And here we are now, six years later, having the debate and Biden's Consumer Protection Agency. Uh, there's one that needs to go the way of the dodo real fucking fast. Uh, has decided, yep, we're going to decide to do this nationally. And uh, Biden today was asked, you know, or they asked Karine Jean-Pierre today, and he said Biden is uh, does not want is is against uh, removing gas stoves, but that doesn't answer the issue. They they're convoluting it to say the political right and Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity uh, are are painting this dystopian nightmare where you know officers in black clad armor come into your house and rip your stove out of the wall. And if you notice the language of even the statement of the denial, it says 
this is going on products going forward, which means they're just going to phase them out completely and you have no say in it. And that's what they're going to do. And if you've seen, if you've seen the way that movements such as, as I said, plastic straws go or any one of these things goes, they're probably going to be successful at it. And I think that that's what I'm trying to. Yeah. Again, of, you know, LED um, lights is the obvious one. They got rid of the halogen bulbs. Yeah, that was that was Al Gore's baby, and then I think they finally did it under Obama, and that was it. Yeah. And uh, and if you try, and if you ever use those halogen bulbs, they're the worst fucking light bulbs in the world. They're too bright. Um, the the lighting on them is just kind of cold. And uh, one of my like personal pet peeves is always overhead lighting. So I don't actually use any halogen lights. Yeah, it feels like you're about to be put under. You're in a morgue, about to be cut. Yeah, yeah, it feels like you're going in for dentistry if you if yes. you ever look directly into one of those. And that's again, that just comes right back to uh, climate dogma, and this is going to dictate everything that we do under the guise of power. But uh, again, I put the power in front of it. It's just like a it's a power trip. It's it's the it's the um it's the dissemination of information by things ever really. Um, over the past half century, and it, um, reaching lower, um, lower class people and the upper class just not being able to um, have as much control as they once do, and they still think that they have the right to it. But they, but you know, it's that that consistent feeling that we ha- we are the smartest people that have ever existed. Why won't you listen to us? And it's sort of like again, like you said, it started in Berkeley. It started in one of the what ten most prestigious colleges in the world. It's it's this um, not the world but the country. It's and that's sort of this recommendation of we are the best. You listen to us, and I guess that I'll just leave it on that. That's the issue I've seen. Yeah, I mean, and again, what you're also seeing is the, the gas stove is killing the planet. To now, it's giving your child asthma, and it took uh, Congresswoman Marks Bay one day to say it's giving people brain damage, and that's exactly how these things kind of. Donna, you're up. Good to see you again. Happy New Year. Let it rip. Happy New Year, Stephen. How are the pets? Uh, I'm sorry. How are the pets? Yeah, uh, they're all good. They're all healthy. I think one of them's one of the one of the Frenchies is coming down with an ear infection, which is never fun. And uh, he he had a vestibular infection two years ago, which if you don't know what that is, it's a deep ear infection that affects the it affects their dogs have a tunnel, have canals of, through their ears that help them run, help them balance, give them agility and, and help them jump up onto beds and stuff like that. A lot of people don't know that's all controlled through their vestibular system. And he had a vestibular infection two years ago that gave him vertigo. And it was a pretty scary situation that caused him some hearing damage. And now he's clawing around in that same ear. So he's he's probably going to the vet tomorrow. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry so, I asked. Yeah, see, <laughs> there you thing. go. Well, no, I was, I was I was basically tempting that because I think I joked about it last uh, last week podcast that all, they're they're all fine. And now he's digging around in his ear, so it's it's oh. probably just some. I, I I do have goop for it. I do clean them regularly, but one got behind me, so. Uh, because he's sensitive to that, I'm, I'm going to have to take him in. Probably put him down. No, that's a joke. Oh, good. Let's My talk God, about Stephen. Talk about your stove, Donna. Yeah. Well, um, what Katie said is 100 percent true. I can speak from experience, having lived in Massachusetts when I was raising my son, and you know we get blizzards there. 
Um, I'm in North Carolina now, but when uh, I was raising him, we always had gas stoves. And in fact, one apartment that I lived in, our heat actually came out of the side of the stove. That's probably phased out and gone. But had we not had that, we would have frozen to death without a doubt, you know, because you can't run electric blankets. You can't like you can get in, get into bed, but you don't have an electric blanket. The other thing I wanted to mention, or a couple of things, actually, I found this interesting. Um, the Washington Post just came out with an article uh, while, while I was listening to your podcast. It says the hidden cost of gas stoves is finally getting attention yep. and may change the way that we cook <laughs> and live. And what I find interesting about that is that it wasn't behind the paywall. That's correct. Uh, I noticed that as well. When you when you click on it, they put it out there. It's written by a journalist who did climate policy for the Grist, and uh, which was like an environmentalist climate website. And so, again, this kind of goes down to uh, there's not even going to be a debate about this. They they've decided to follow uh, the studies and research. As I said, there was also one who came from uh, a Podesta linked. Uh, think tank. And so you get all the same names hovering around this stuff and it it makes you kind of scratch your head a little bit. But as you said, they, you know, this order came down through uh, the CPCS and basically they all just fell in line behind it. There's not going to be a debate. Yeah, they're 100% in lockstep. Uh, By the way, her name is Shannon Osaka. And then um, today, what I also found interesting um, was Bill uh, Weir, is that how you pronounce his last name? Yeah, Bill Weir on CNN. Yeah, he um, went on to say that, uh, you know, the gas, natural gas industry has been uh, advertising this for 100 years. And uh, basically, he he tried to uh, shame the red states because he said, can you imagine they're usually red states that have gas stoves? I don't think that's true. Like I said, I I raised my son in Massachusetts, and we always had gas. And this is, uh, ooh, thirty years ago. So I highly doubt that those old tenements in Massachusetts have upgraded to electric stoves when they are built in for gas. Why would they do that? It's more efficient. Excuse me, it's cheaper. Unless I'm, you know, a product of the advertisement. I guess maybe I've been brainwashed. But I don't think so. Um, I you you touched on it. I'd like to know who's behind this, who's funding it. Follow the money. Uh, is it the electric stove industry or what? You know. Well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's when you have to go back and you look at who's who's doing the research, who's funding the research, um, who how are they coming to this consensus. Um, when again, there's, there's stuff out here that says that there's, you, you can, that you can possibly link carcinogens off of a gas stove to, you know, cognitive problems and asthma and stuff like that. But there's, there, again, this, this is one of these things where they, they do the studies with the goal in mind. And so therefore you almost have to doubt them right off the bat. And then when you also have studies out here from Harvard saying, uh, we, we can't actually correlate this. Um, there's actually no real hard concrete evidence that it's gas stoves that are that are causing uh, 12% of the cases in childhood asthma. Um, and especially well, when you see where, you know, the scientific medical community, uh, I would say the, 
not not doctors. I'm talking about the medical, you know, the punditry political community, uh, medical community, which is now like we just saw two days ago, basically saying, hey, if your kid's too fat, let's just give them surgery and a medication. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so which to me, that that whole article is a completely different topic. That to me is uh, them basically saying, hey, maybe we overdid this on the sexual reassignment surgeries for minors. Let's back up and try to normalize this in other ways like obesity. Um, uh, that to me is 100 percent what that article was about. Um, but so when you, you when you look at you know, who's who's pushing this research, I'm immediately skeptical of anything coming out of China. Um, so there's one. And then, of course, like you said, one of the people that the Washington Post cited um, works for a, a, a group whose whole goal is to just electrify uh, buildings. Her name is here. It is Brady Seals. Uh, this is who the Washington Post quoted. It's like having a car exhaust in your home, said Brady Seals, a manager at RMI who co-authored the research. And we know that children are some of the people spending the most time at home along with the elderly. Well, Brady Seals, the Washington Post doesn't tell you, is manager for a group called Carbon Free Buildings. And so if you've already arrived at your solution, all you need to do now is focus on the data that can get you there. And then you know, because you have a sympathetic media, that they're all just going to run with this. They're not going to question where your money came from. They're not going to question who's pushing this. Um you know, you have Richard Trumpka Jr., the son of the Maury Wig salesman guy who uh, used to be the head of the union boss, pretty much the most powerful, influential guy since Hoffa in that in that regard, um, has come out and he said, we're going to ban gas stoves. Well, OK, I'd like to know if there's union involvement as far as building electrical stoves, because that's probably where his motivation is coming from. And as we know, anything that's union is going to be more expensive. It's going to be cheaper and it's going to be a shit product. You know, I thought the same thing about um, electric car power stations. You know, Biden wants to get them across the country. Well, who's he in with to build these things and provide electricity for them? Uh, there's there's some kickbacks there going on with this government out uh, overreach. Excuse me. Like I said, follow the money. I'd like to see somebody investigate these people who are pushing this crap. And that's what it is. It's crap. I mean, they really, what it comes down to is they need to stay out of our houses. They need to stay out of our homes. You know, what are they going to tell you? Pretty soon you can't use a gas grill. You yes, know? that's exactly what they, For some or of, a gas fireplace or again, gas right. heating. And that, yes, they want the full, once you realize that their goal is the complete elimination of fossil fuels. Yes, that, that's of course what their goal is. And nobody's considering the fact that they're raping the land for mining materials. Yeah, sure, they do. Well, it no, China. because that's happening in China and they don't have to think about it. But it's not just happening in China. It's happening down in Venezuela. They're tearing up the, the rainforest. I mean, it, it can't possibly be any better than fracking. Well, but that's, but that's just it. It's not happening here. So if it's happening somewhere in Venezuela, if it's happening somewhere in China, out of sight, out of mind, we don't have to think about where our iPhone comes from. We don't have to think about where our electric, you know, stove comes from. And that's pretty much, again, that goes back to how you virtue signal uh, on these issues. And do they forget that coal plants run the electric grids? Like, where's uh, that? No, they just don't care. <laughs> oh, man. We're in a mess. That's what we are. We're in a mess. Vote well, Republican. If, if, if 
we can get some good Republicans in there. You know, we've got to get rid of these Democrats because most of them like airport designation. I mean, they're they're nuts. They're they're just so out there. Well, you have to pace yourself on her because she's going to be around a while. Well, thankfully, she's not president yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, Donna, I'm going to go ahead and move on. Yep. To have a great night, Stephen. Yep. Thank good you to very hear, much. Good to hear from you again. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll. Oh, how are you, sir? I'm do I'm doing good. Like I said, I'm I'm glad to be back here. I was like uh, trying to get back into the chair of doing these things. Well, all of us are uh, are are glad to have you back. And um, and I, you know, it's funny, Donna, uh, really bright woman. I I might politely push back on one uh, assertion of hers. I I don't think it's follow the money. I think a alarming percentage of these people, perhaps eighty or ninety percent, perhaps more actually believe this stuff. They are true believers. They're real zealots, which makes them that much more frightening. I think people that characterize wokeness, you know, aka the successor ideology as a de facto religion are right on the money, pardon the pun. I really think that that's accurate. And I wish that wasn't the case because it makes it makes them that much more difficult to fight. Yeah, I, I think um, part of that is also, I mean, of course they do. They, they, they're true believers in the way that you and I are on our, our things. But Part of it is also, um, you know, Dave Weigel, for all of his faults, had a really just kind of a funny tweet about all of this stuff where he said, uh, let me see if I can just dig this up from him. I, I want to quote it because it was actually kind of funny from him. And he basically said this whole, where is this? The whole gas stove thing. Oh, where are you? Come here. Oh, that's right. Ben Jacobs is now calling it gas stove Gazi. So you can see where this is going. Um, <laughs> But Dave Weigel said, gas stove controversy, another validation of my big idea. Every government agency should keep a MAGA guy on retainer and ask him, so will this idea sound crazy to people before rolling it out? And I mean, my thing is you should have those people in your fucking newsrooms is where you should have them, you should, where you can have a reporter who goes, oh, yeah, we're going to we're getting rid of gas. Those are great. And you can have a reporter go, where are you getting this from? You know, and they can have a debate. And that doesn't happen in enough newsrooms. Um Part of it is also, if you recall, another part of this, what this actually reminds me of is when Ocasio-Cortez sent out that Green New Deal itinerary to newsrooms like NPR and PBS and the Washington Post. So they sent this whole thing out, the proposal for the Green New Deal. Her and Markey uh, sent this thing out. And in there was basically we're going to ban hamburgers. We're going to get rid of uh, farmlands because of methane and whatever. And when everybody just went, are you fucking crazy? Are you out of your minds? Oh, suddenly that memo disappeared from NPR's website. It disappeared from the media. And that's because they retracted it. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez's people then came out and said that was just a memo draft. It was not the actual policy. It was sent out by mistake. And if you recall, or if maybe if you don't, when people asked, journalists were asking them for the updated version, they never sent it out. They never, they never followed up with it. So they just said, oh, this was a mistake. This was a draft. This wasn't the actual thing because they saw the backlash to people. Like, are you fucking crazy? You're getting, you're just going to eliminate hamburger. Are you out of your mind? And then they just go, oh shit, maybe we should have done that. So they demanded all of the websites like NPR delete it. And then when the other journalists, there was a couple of journalists who said, okay, send us the updated version. And they never did that. And that's what this kind of reminds me of, where 
they put it out in an announcement. This was the official CPCS announcement that said they're considering a ban on gas stoves. And that's rockets around Twitter, which controls this administration. And they see the, the reaction to it. And that then sends Trump Ganepo baby junior out to just go, we're actually not doing that. What are you talking about? And it's the same fucking thing that they tried to do at the Green well, you know, deal. It's the same. You're right. I mean, I guess I would say this. I feel like and you have a better uh, sense of these trend lines than I do. But I feel like there's a the trend line, you know, that the Elizabeth Kubler Ross thing about the five stages of grief and it's anger, denial, bargaining, depression, acceptance yeah. or whatever. Um, in this case, I feel like there's the, the pattern seems to be they introduced something that was heretofore unthinkable, unthinkable. And then it's, it's met with outrage, as it often should be. But it becomes suddenly part of the conversation. And then a few years later, it's not so unthinkable. And it becomes suddenly inbounds. Not that it has a, uh, you know, a plurality of people that are in favor of it, but more people are in favor of it. And that's kind of how it works. And then you cut to five years later, and it's more palatable. And then five years after that, it's suddenly codified into law. That seems to be the, pro the, the, the pattern here. And so, yes, right now it's met with outrage, but who knows where it's going to be five years from now. Does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah, I mean, five years ago when this debate started, it was, you know, happening in fringes of academia and Berkeley. And uh, it was a discussion just basically being had on the political left. And it only took six years to have a government agency now say, yes, we're going to do this. We're getting rid exactly of Exactly right. Now, my, here's my question for you. It's one of the, it's one of my kind of thought experiment things. Um, it's, it's this. If you think that the fact that the, you know, the Charles C.W. Cook's of the world and the Stephen L. Millers of the world are predicting that the left will start equating gas stoves with racism. Might that not prevent them from equating? Like, I guess my question is, don't they feel self-conscious writing the no. article on Tuesday that Charles C.W. Cook predicted they'd be writing on Monday? No, or not? no, or they wouldn't do it. And uh, again, we know where this debate always goes. It's because they can't help themselves. Uh, when, when New York Times staffers in a closed door meeting, you know, basically say, why aren't we focusing more on race? And the editors push back. And one of them is a black man pushes back and says, you know, because there's not always a racial angle and they all lose their shit and say, yes, there is. Um, they find a way to make everything about race. That's right. just what they're going You're right. to You're do. Right. And, that, and they do it under the guise of a thing called equity. So, if, if your goal is to push equity, if your goal, like this administration's goal, is about equity, everything stems from that word, which is just basically race, racial Marxism. It's Marxism under the guise of racism. And it's a very clever thing that they're doing. Uh, you know, it wasn't selling. You know, Leninist Marxism wasn't selling. So they realized, hey, what if we took our, fav our second favorite thing, which is accusing people of racism, and mixed it with this stuff? And now you have the idea of equity and you have Robin D'Angelo out there making hundreds of thousands of dollars on it. Ibram Kendi making hundreds of thousands of dollars off of it. And Susan Rice is pushing it behind the scenes with Joe Biden. And so, and of course our media is pushing it. That's the whole, that's the whole point. So if that is your whole goal and you see how these debates usually go, it's not hard to predict where this is going to go, especially when they already signal it to you. Uh, I think it was we were on CNN who said, you know, this is this will this will particularly, you know, especially in these one bedroom uh, 
apartments in marginalized communities. Well, right there, he's telling you that gas stoves are now a, a, a product of the institutionalized racism and white supremacy of the United States, and they need to go because gas stoves will will affect the health of uh, black children and, and minorities more than they will white people. And, and gas stoves are really just a luxury now for, you know, rich white suburbanites to have in their homes. That is where this debate goes every single time. And so you ask, aren't they conscious of this? No, because it's all they know. It's all they've been trained to know. It's all that they want. They, they think that their audience wants to hear. And they truly believe that, uh, you know, white journalists are going to be the saving grace of of poor blacks in our countries. We just saw Yemi Cinder on NBC News interview residents of Baltimore who don't have heat, who don't have running water. The Baltimore is, you know, you're probably safer traveling to fucking Libya than you are walking downtown <laughs> in Baltimore today. And you have these residents just going, yeah, I. I don't have water. I don't have heat. Uh, my building is falling apart. And not once does it occur to you, Michelle Cinder, or anyone else that, hey, maybe the fact that one party has controlled fucking Baltimore for the last 55 years and has not uh, and has not had a unified Republican government since 1900. Hey, gosh, you think maybe that's the answer? And as I've always said, we always have to have these conversations. We have to have these conversations about gun violence. We have to have these tough conversations about race. We have to have these tough conversations about racism in cities like New York, San Francisco, Chicago, St. Louis, Baltimore, Philadelphia. And then you get up to, hey, who's been running these places for the last hundred years? Chicago, 1917. That's where the conversation ends, right there. We cannot discuss who has been running things. We cannot discuss who has been in charge of these places. In like single party control, Detroit is another one. Detroit's a perfect example. And now you see it happening in cities like Austin. You see it happening in cities like Denver, where you have a city like Portland, for instance, which uh, I lived in Portland uh, 15 some odd years ago. It's a beautiful city. I don't like the politics, but it's a gorgeous city. Um, it's easy to kind of get around. And now Portland's a fucking shithole. And it took 10 years. And then people stand around and go, hey, how did Portland become a fucking shithole? And you're kind of seeing that now happen in cities like Denver, which was Colorado used to be a reddish, purplish state. Um, it, then it tilted and it tilted. And now it's had progressive mayors. And uh, if you've ever walked around in downtown Denver now, it's a fucking ghost town. And windows are boarded up. And, and people just say, hey, how did this happen? And again... No, they, they're not they're, they're not self-aware in this way, because, again, you're talking about people who also move cities. So if you leave California and you move to Austin, Texas, and now Austin's become a liberal shithole. Hey, you think maybe it's you that's the problem? No, they don't do that. It's Texas is the problem. We and we must make this more progressive. And the one with you, Michelle Center was just it was a fucking crime. That you, you just sit here and you go, one, one, you're frustrated with the people who keep voting the same way, but that's up to them. They're going to have to either keep voting the same way or not. But then you have the media just going, oh, huh, yeah, how did that happen? How did Baltimore get to be the way it was? And you keep pouring millions of dollars into the city and then it keeps going to uh, unions and union reps and politicians. And those politicians keep going to jail. You'd think that they would figure this out. So, no, they're not. They're not aware in this case because they truly believe again as true believers that these are the policies that are going to save the planet 
except it's not really about saving the planet. It's about control. It's we can do this to you. There's nothing. There's not a fucking thing you can do about it. And you're going to shut up and take it. And that's really all there is. You're exactly right. And I, but I do think that that in their heart, like they would pass the polygraph. They think that they're saving the planet. They think that they are moving humanity to a higher, more evolved plane, which again makes them that much more terrifying. All right, I'll sign off. You rock, sir. Um, starting the new year right with Stephen L. Miller's call-in and love your podcast. You're going to let us know. I'm an old guy, too. Like, uh, you know, you know I'm not quite as old as the previous, like John, but in, in, up there almost as old as him. So you're going to have to walk me through when you're ready. How to Just step by step, like you're talking to your grandmother, how to go about unsubscribing to one and then subscribing to the other. Just how to go about that and when, if you if you. So... You just need to you need to go to Miller versus Media Substack and just put in your email, and which I did by the way, yeah. Okay, and so you're just basically going to wait until I give some updates over there. Um, my goal is to basically f- about February first or around there is going to be to start posting at Substack. And so what I would probably say to people is if you're still a three dollar one dollar subber at Patreon. Uh, to probably wait until about March 1st um, and, and once everything is mid, you know, migrated over and everything is going smoothly and I need to make sure that I'm getting money. Um, so I would say probably March 1st is when I will fully be at Substack, completely done posting over there. And in which case, then I would tell people that you can probably unsub from Patreon. So um, P- Patreon is not going to close right away. I'm going to leave it up for a while because I have subbers who, you know, they, they either don't unsubscribe or they don't, whatever, they just stop listening or whatever. And they, or, or what have you. Um, what I can say is a little more about more than half of my subscribers at Patreon have moved over to Substack. So at least I know at least more than half of you are listening. Um, and so just to keep kind of everything smooth on my end to make sure that I'm not taking a giant financial hit in this, um, it, there's going to be some cross posting happening, uh, and before I completely close shop on Patreon. So once people have kind of unsubscribed from Patreon, I would say that's going to take March, April, then I will close the doors uh, on Patreon and exclusively just be over on Substack. And you'll so, make it very clear. You'll say, this is my final episode yep, on Patreon. Yep. Yep. Okay. Very cool. I will. I will make sure, and we'll have a big party and uh, <laughs> noisemakers and nipple tassels and in the whole deal. But yeah, no, I'm going to say, you know, this is this is going to be the last podcast I'll be posting on Patreon and Sayonara. Um, but there's probably going to be some cross posting in there where uh, for about a week or so I'm going to post both on Patreon and then I'm going to post both on Substack, and just so everyone knows kind of the deal. But I would say. March 1st would probably be when everyone should unsubscribe from Patreon. So, and I know some people will probably do it right off the bat. As soon as I'm over on Substack, a lot of people are just going to drop because they don't want to be charged twice. Um, I mean, the good thing with that is that because I don't charge a lot on Patreon, I'm going to be charging more on Substack. It's, it's only going to be, if someone's double charged, it's going to be like $12 for a month. So ho- hopefully you're willing to give me that for a month. So, um, yeah, I, I will make sure everyone is in the know and is in clear on when to do all of that. But yes, I, I will have an announced final episode on Patreon and that will all happen. Love it. Can't wait for the party. Just be sure that, uh, be advised. We'll be baking the cake in a gas oven all right sir i wouldn't have it any other way thanks david 
Jonathan and Andrew uh, to wrap things up here. We've gone a little bit over an hour, but that's okay. Little Red, thanks for hanging on back there. Uh, go ahead. Give her one second. All right, we're gonna we'll skip. Uh, and we'll go ahead and take you, uh, Andrew. Go ahead, wrap us up unless she comes. Hey, Steez. So uh, you know they can do electrification all they want to, but you know I'm I'm the one who hits the button on the gas power plants when all the wind and all the solar is not firing. So <laughs> I mean you're going to be putting about another million to two million cubic feet of gas every hour for every one of those units that I have to hit. So, you know, pick your poison one way or the other, but can, can we, okay. So like the Greta Thunbergs of the world, the Sam Bankman Freeds of the world, and I'm going to play armchair psychologist a little bit, but don't they get that way by being raised on movies like Revenge of the Nerds or the Mighty Ducks where, no, the little guys and the nerds, they're the ones who are always right. Can we get more Stan Gables in the world to stuff these kids in lockers and give them swirlies? Yeah, I mean, that's... To disabuse them of this hero complex that they have? Yeah, I don't think Greta Thunberg has seen Revenge of the Nerds. But your point is, your point's an interesting one. Because I equate a lot of journalists to that. I equate a lot of current journalists who are in their 20s or in their 30s. Matthew Glacius screens this as kids who were probably picked on, they were looked down upon on, um, they were, you know, probably bullied. And this is kind of their way as I'm the smart kid. And they, and they are, I mean, the Glacius is wrong a lot, but he's not stupid. Um, but there is, there is that complex, I think, where, you know, we are kind of the nerdy ones who are, we're looked down upon, we're picked on, we're bullied, we're made fun of online, whatever. Um, and, and those people then kind of go off into roles like journalism and stuff. And this is kind of their whole revenge. They develop a, we're going we're gonna to push back on the bully stuff. Um, I, I do think that that exists. And it, it's interesting because I've thought about Sam Bankman Freed in all of this as well, in the electric stove push, because that's a lot of what this is. It's altruism, you know, it's altruism, it's effective altruism, and it's, uh, we need to save the planet, we're going to do it this way, and we're going to give billions of dollars to China to start making electric range tops, which are being made by slave labor. And so, again, it's it all comes down to do-goodism, and a lot of this is what we're learning is, it, it's a, do-goodism is a, is a cover, it's a devay for uh, a corrupt ideology that basically just comes down to bullying people into uh, position. Okay, so how do we how do we get kids to not adopt that complex in the first place? Then, um, probably take them away from their parents in San Francisco. No, I mean I I don't. <laughs> that's a joke, of course, but I don't I don't really know. You know, you've seen how obviously when you look at a lot of the cultural debates around. Uh, raising of kids and the liberalization of children and stuff like that, a lot of what you're seeing, a lot of who we're dealing with now, who are in there, we, we talked a lot about this with campus culture, where campus culture suddenly developed into wokeness and safe spaces, and you can't say that, and you can't read this, and we're getting professors fired. Uh, we just saw one from the New York Times, a professor showed a, 
uh, an artwork image of the prophet of the prophet Muhammad and was fired over it. Uh, and even though this was considered like a historical text and historical artwork, um, and so we always thought like that generation would then outgrow that once they get into the real world. And I don't have to keep saying it. Of course, they didn't. They ended up taking over. You know, they ended up intimidating employers and companies and stuff into basically breaking their arms into believing what they believe. And so I guess, you know, in the sense of I think it was John who said he's kind of optimistic pendulum swings. So you, you're probably going to have a more liberalized, and I mean classical liberalized generation coming up behind, where it's like, the more you tell me I can't say this word, the more I'm going to want to do it. Or the more you tell me that um, this isn't reality, the more I'm going to just kind of look at it as a different way. And so, I mean, that's to me is kind of the only thing that really does that. So the problem is, is this whole push about to electrify everything or whatever is you have very, very powerful people making these decisions and they're making them and they're not even doing them again in this country. They're doing them in places like the world economic forum. And a lot of liberalism buys into that kind of stuff, which is, you know, you'll have, you'll have nothing or you're going to have shit and you're going to be happy and you're going to eat the bugs and you're going to live in the pod and you're going to use your glass stovetop range. And that's ultimately the bigger problem is you have, you know, people like that and people like behind the ideas of effective altruism. Uh, I got news for you guys. Sam Bakeman Freed isn't the biggest threat when it comes to this notion of uh, effective altruism. It's Bill Gates. And that's not a conspiracy. And no, I'm not talking about microchipping people uh, or anything like that. But Bill Gates is someone who has a has has a clear world vision, a clear world philosophy, and he has the money and the willpower to enact it, as we've seen, where he's buying up chunks of farmland across the United States. Why is he doing that? I don't know. But I'm guessing the answer will probably become pretty uh, evident to us here uh, down the road. And so they want you kind of sounding like a Looney Tune conspiracist. And there are. It's hard to kind of, you know, balance this stuff with not sounding like, you know, a tinfoil hat cuckoo head. Um, but that's kind of what they're counting on. So, the, like I said, this whole debate about the stovetop, it's going to go very similar to the Green New Deal, which is, hey, this is what we want to do. Wait a minute. Why do you want to do that? Then it's the mob, you know, with the torches and the gates. Then it's, oh, shit, no, this was a bad idea. Get rid of that. And now it's going to become a conspiracy on the right where down the road, nine months from now, they're going to say, hey, remember when you thought we were coming for your stoves? Because that's how these things. Well, I'm, I'm going to let Little Red get on here, but um, I'm, I'm feeling less and less inclined to be persuasive with, with these people when, you know, I'm, I'm witnessing the electric grid on a daily basis and you know, just this religious impulse, this jihadi impulse by the environmental left is it is making me feel more and more violent. The eyeball twitches are uh, I'm I'm feeling less and less hopeful, unlike John. And I, I really don't like it, but. Oh, shit. Andrew, I'm sorry about that. Hold on. Uh... Andrew, feel free to jump back up into the queue to uh, to finish that thought. I, I just hit the wrong button. I haven't done calling in like two weeks here, so I got a little rusty. Andrew, feel free to jump back up. I just I, I was trying to uh, remove someone from the queue on time. And, uh, Andrew, I'll give you the last word. Let me take Little Red here. So the universe is correct now. We have Little Red, and then we'll hear from Andrew again. Go <laughs> Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to – 
tie this whole conversation into guns, which is going to sound Yay! very strange. <laughs> but you hear these people who live in cities and they're like, oh, you don't need guns. Why do you need guns? The cops are right down or the road. Or a pickup truck. Or a pickup truck or electric vehicles are fine, whatever. I mean, you don't, or you could just take a bus. It's like, have you ever driven across this country? There are people who live miles from town, like miles. They take, and they also have a county that has two cops. <laughs> and it's just like so disconnected from reality. I have this friend who's like, oh, walkable cities, walkable cities. And it's like, yeah, that's nice if you live in a city. If you don't live yeah, in... Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a problem with having a media that's located in New York City or Washington, D.C. and nowhere else in the entire country. Because you do see this from the progressive... It's, it's yeah, it's... Uh, why can't every city be like New York City? Um, which, you know, it's great that New York City is like New York City. I lived there for 12 years. It's, it's a fun city. Um, but I don't also think that the rest of the country needs to be like it, um, whether politically. But that you're right in the sense of... This, look at the cities that are implementing this change. It's New York because of high rises and it's Los Angeles and it's San Francisco. And it's all of the places where these people think that exact same way that you're talking about. And a larger problem is our newsrooms and our journalistic outlets are 99% staffed in those places. Um, and uh, that's the problem where you have just have newsrooms that exist in New York City and be like, yeah, this is great. And I'm going to just write about this. And that's how you get kind of this sudden media, again, pardon the pun, gaslighting on stone, <laughs> which is I have an electric one and I think you should too because I'm happy in New York City and things are great. And you're right in the sense of like, well, not every place is like this and not everybody thinks like you. And when it comes to gas stoves, you're talking about millions of Americans. And yeah. as I said, I saw more than one instance, people are like, I'm going to become a single issue voter over this issue. But it's more than just live like this. It's like you can't live like this if you live in the middle of nowhere. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you can you can live with a glass. I mean, you can live with a glass top stove and an electric stove in your house. Yeah. You know, it's but not, not it's with not vehicles. Quite the same thing. Not but with guns. The, yeah. It's the <laughs> same, yeah, but it's the same philosophy. It's the you don't need that. You know, you don't need that AR-15. You don't need that big pickup truck. You don't need that you know, gas stovetop range. And the thing you just tell these people is it's not about need. Fuck off. And you again, this idea that you're going to, you know, decide how we're going to cook food in our own homes that we own, it comes right down to against, again, big government do-goodism and under the guise of if you're, you're, you're not only not killing the planet, you're now killing children. And that's how you know this is kind of bunk is because for four years it was we're, we're you're killing the planet and people just laughed and goes, my gas stove is not killing the planet. Thanks. And now it's okay, that's <laughs> not working. That's not working. So now it's you're you're killing your own kids. You're killing your family. And we've seen this argument over and over and over and over and over again. And they're just applying it to something new similar to what. Right. And meanwhile, we're we're OK with strip mining. 
African labor yeah, children again, strip mining. Because that's out of sight, out of mind. And we, don't, <laughs> we don't have to think about that. And it's similar. It just makes me so angry. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's similar in cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco, which, you know, has just an enormous homeless problem where if you live in certain parts of that city, you just don't go to the Tenderloin District. Or if you live in New York City, you just don't really go to Queens. And uh, therefore, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And you have people who want to make the entire country their three block radius of, you know, Upper West Side Manhattan. And that really, I mean, it sounds cliche when you're a conservative, you're someone on the right, and you talk like this, but it's just, a, it's true. I don't know how else to, to put it. And so, um, because, yeah, because it's, hey, this iPhone's great, and hey, do you know how they got parts for that? Or, again, your Tesla battery, do you know how they got parts for that? Uh, no, we don't care. We're more upset at Elon right. Musk's treatment of Twitter. And, again, that does really, it really does expose a lot of hypocrisy. And that's the problem is maybe they're fine with empowering China. Maybe they think China's a great place to live. They had great COVID policies, according to the Washington Post <laughs> hypochondriac. So that might be well, another and- part of it, which is, hey, you know, everyone contributes to society there. You know, everyone does their little part. Um, and so, again, that's just that's kind of their worldview with it. And here's the other thing these people aren't thinking about. I work in the restaurant industry. I'm a life, by the way, I live in Portland and it is just shitty now um <laughs> yeah but... i mean when i lived there we had just we rode around on bikes drank beer and went to went to bands and clubs and like did the music scene just turn shitty that everyone just became an antifa proud boy larper throwing bottles at each other like i can't <laughs> imagine i can't imagine what you know and i lived all over i lived in three places in portland and um, uh, like I can't even imagine like what, what Mississippi Boulevard looks like now, or, or it's kind of like, what, what the fuck happened? Like, that's all, uh, I mean, Portland is where you went to retire if you were 26 years old. And I blame Portlandia, by the way, for yeah. what happened to our city. <laughs> like that show. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm oh. criticizing that. Portlandia was like the lowest hanging fruit of making fun of people. It was just kind of like, um, I don't know. Because there was some truth to it, but it was also just like you're making fun of people um, who who don't really have power. You know what I'm saying? So I was, uh, at, I was looked at as the cliche of the lowest hanging fruit. And it was yeah. kind of like, OK, um, but yeah, I mean, when I was in so, it's all we did and we rode around and we, we wanted to stop raining seven months in eventually. And <laughs> I was just like, did the restaurant? I love the rain. Did the restaurant scene just there? like fall apart like what happened yes Um, well what covid covid completely screwed over the restaurant scene um i bet it's still doing that there oh it's still it Uh, well it's yeah it is it's it's trying to get people to come back to work and trying to get people to um they're trying to get people to come back to work in portland have fun with that yes (laughs) yeah yeah right but um so what i was gonna say is so I work in the restaurants business and Autocore, which is the company that services our dishwashers, lost 50% of their business during COVID. If they do this gas thing and ban them, forget it. All the restaurants are closing down because we can't afford to switch to electric because <laughs> yeah, all the I restaurants mean, are gas. That's, that's <laughs> one of the things that came up earlier in this in this episode. Oh, I'm and sorry. I must miss that. No, it's but the, I mean, it's worth for someone who's in the business. It's worth repeating. But yeah, it's how how does this affect commercial buildings or are those are those buildings going to be exempt because 
in New York, this chef is a famous chef and he donated to Kathy Haukel, you know, $20,000. And that's kind of where this debate always goes. There's going to be exemptions and those exemptions are definitely going to favor, again, rich white progressives, as we saw, like every, as Ocasio-Cortez was speaking out on gas stoves, it took, it took uh, Twitter all of, you know, 28 minutes to find her old Instagram stories where she's cooking with gas stove and Elizabeth Warren in her kitchen and Jill Biden and Kamala Harris. And that's this. It's not racism. It's, and it's not environmentalism and do-goodism. It's classism. And it always yep. has been. The environmental fight has always been about classism, which is you and I need to change our habits to, to change the world. But we're not going to fucking change ours because we're more important than you. And right. as we said, and this comes right down to the gas stove shit, which is when you fucking people start acting like we're in an emergency, then uh, we'll start believing you on these issues. When Barack Obama right. moves to the highest mountainous point in North America, like Aspen, um, which is still just a greedy white person shithole. Um, but if you move to Aspen and move away from Martha's Vineyard, which will be underwater if all of your climate predictions come true – yeah, maybe we'll believe you on this stuff. And, you know, if John Kerry starts, you know, stops flying everywhere and starts doing Zoom conferences, eh, yeah, maybe we'll start believing you. And when Elizabeth fucking Warren goes back to her pom-pom TP fires uh, roasting buffalo meat over her, you know, stick sorely thing, then we'll believe you. Until then, fuck off. And that's pretty much well, the only answer these people. And it's okay if people are dying in Africa because they're getting lung cancer because they're burning dung inside their home. Don't use your natural gas, Africa. Don't do that. That would be bad. Yep. Don't do yep. that. Much better you burn dung. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Little Red. Good to hear from you again. I really wanted to hear Andrew's, the end of Andrew's eyeball twitching rant. So uh, maybe if he wants to jump back up here real fast, uh, he can finish this off. But uh, I apologize for that. I was there. He is. Andrew, finish your rant. Sorry about that. Thanks for letting me back on. No, uh, I'm just feeling less persuasive and moved more and more and more towards feeling violent. And I don't like that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that there's the, the I, like we just said, I mean, it's not that we're even going to hear you out on this shit anymore. Um, I think that the thing that this does is it ultimately just kind of creates more libertarians. And like you said, when, this is this is an issue that to me politicizes people who aren't political. So you could just be, you know, someone who's in a house in a state or whatever, and then you get it coming down that, hey, we're going to start banning the use of gas ovens and gas stoves in any commercial residential places, any houses moving forward in these communities or whatever. Um, that that's one of those things that politicizes people. It gets them to just go, really, why the fuck are you doing this? Oh, really? My, my gas range is killing the planet now when I have it on for 36 minutes to make, you know, broccoli. Are you fucking shitting me? And I mean, on, on that way, I mean, I, I look at that as most likely a good thing because it politicizes people in the right direction. Um, but you're right in the sense of wanting to become more and more persuasive. I don't think persuading them is the issue anymore. I think it's defeating them. Um, I, when I got into this and I got into politics and media, I thought, yeah, I'm going to persuade. And now I'm just more of a sense of like, I don't really want to persuade you guys. I'm, I have lost all interest 
Uh, why do I want to persuade someone who says that I'm a white supremacist that, that's killing the planet? I mean, I wouldn't give that person the time of fucking day on the sidewalk, much less, you know, on Twitter or, or in a debate. So that's kind of how I look at it. I think you're in a spot that a lot of that, that a lot of people are. Uh, if only all the journos had just one neck. I just want one. Yeah, no, I, I know they. Um, they're, they're all 20, 25 year old Brooklynites now, uh, who aren't really interested in journalism as much as they are interested in pushing their own personal worldview, as we just saw with this Washington Post chick. So, yeah, I mean, this, this, this is a fun one. Like I said, this is going to go to your, your gas stove is racist. And then in nine months it will be, we didn't actually try to do this because it's that kind of popular issue that, uh, will swing voters in one direction or the other. Uh, it's been episode 80. Thanks again, Andrew, for coming up. I apologize for, uh, I just, I hit the wrong buttons. I'm, I'm getting back into the groove of this. This has been episode 80 gaslit. Uh, I'm planning on being back here probably Friday, to talk about the Joe Biden classified document dump, which is the other big thing happening. And uh, as I said, this administration is an expert at dangling the keys, which is when I saw all of the, uh, the Twitter influencer, TikTok people pushing out this Vox story um, at the same time, I really wondered if this was just a way to, to get people hot under the collar, pardon the pun, uh, and getting their eyes off of the, uh, the uh, uh, classified document stuff with Joe Biden that didn't really work because we found a second cachet of those. And we still don't know where um, magically we have no idea where those were found. Uh, I'm sure that's coming. Not. Uh, so once again, thanks for my callers on this. And uh, thanks for uh, all of you for showing up again and listening. As I said, this is, this is one of these things. that's always a fun, you know, it's one of those fun topics because it affects you and it affects everyone. Um, and it's not just kind of one of these things that's happening on social media or in the news. So thanks again, everyone for your opinions. I will be back on Patreon tomorrow. Uh, and then, like I said, um, possibly Friday, I'm going to see, I know one of them's down there saying, no, if I'm not on, if I'm not on call on Friday, we'll definitely be probably Saturday afternoon. Cause I do want to talk and give you, give you a chance to air your thoughts on the hypocrisy of Joe Biden and the storage of classified documents. So once again, thanks to my callers. I'm Stephen L. Miller. 